Good morning, church. Welcome to our neighbors. I'm glad to be together with you. We are uh, going through a series that we've called First Things First. It's kind of the new year. I'm not sure if you noticed yet, but it's a new year. And as we're doing that, we want to take some time and explore what Jesus says about how we set up our priorities. How do we set up our priorities um, to uh, live the fullest possible life? And Jesus had some things to share about where we uh, tend to get distracted and where we tend to go wrong. And so um, we're taking a look at him and, and listening to him and what he's got to say about that. Um, I have a, a, uh, a conversation with my children kind of often where um, I get, one of the things that really just gets under my skin in a special, in a special way <laughs> that's near and dear to my heart is when my kids talk back to my wife. Um, there's something about, like, I have a strong reaction, like, emotionally to that. And, and the conversation goes something like this. I'm stuck with you, but I picked her. Like, so I picked her. Out of all the women that I had met in my life, like, she's the one that I picked. I wanted to spend my life with her. But the kids, I'm just kind of stuck with them. I didn't really get any word on the design. I didn't get any input on the personality types or the compliance levels. And like, I would have done some tweaking if I'd have had my hands on the controls, if you get what I'm saying. I picked her, but I'm stuck with you. There's, there's a sense of fathering where um, we are just participating with God and like he does all of the picking and we have to deal with what he gives us sometimes. Um, whereas if we get the opportunity to have input, um, maybe we would make some different choices, right? You get what I'm saying here? Um, so when I look to my kids and I say, I'm your father, there's, some, there's a mystery in that where I didn't get to pick whether they look like me or not. If, uh, if we had waited to name Riley until after he was born, his name would be Bob because he was born and I'm holding this infant and I'm looking into his face and the eyes that are looking back to me are the, are the eyes of my father-in-law. Uh, this is scary. He looks just like Jesse's dad. And so we probably would have named him Bob if, if we had waited, but we named him Riley ahead of time and now he's a thing. But I didn't have any control over whether he looked like me or whether he looked like Bob. I just got what I got. And there's this, this, this mystery contained within fathering on a human level. But when we say, and when we pray together, which we will this morning, that God is our father, he means something slightly different. Not just that he's our father in the sense that he's the source of our life and that there was a mystery contained therein in which he had no control over who we were, but he's our father in the sense that he's our maker. Not just fathering us, he is makering us. And every component of us is something that he designed. And so when we come to him as a father and we come to him with our troubles and our burdens and the things that we feel like aren't working quite right, we can approach him in a different manner knowing and trusting that he made us in a particular way on purpose. He chose us. He's not stuck with us. So I'd like to explore some of that idea together and what the implications of it are. Um, but as uh, I've already indicated, our habit together, if this thing will work, it's not going to do that. Man, oh man, how embarrassing. Um, it's, our, it's our habit together to pray uh, the disciples' prayer as we begin our week. So first day of the week, Sunday morning, we're starting our week. Let's bow our heads together. Um, and we'll pray. If you'd like to pray out loud, you're more than welcome to do that. Um, but we'll bow our hearts and let's pray together as we begin. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. If you would like to uh, join me, please turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, or you can navigate there if you're tapping on your phone. If you're following along in the app, it'll just be right there in the sermon notes page, Matthew chapter 6. If you would like to follow along in the blue Bibles, they're kind of tucked under the chairs in front of you. It's going to be on page 1013. 1013 in the blue Bibles, but we're navigating to Matthew chapter 6, and I'm going to begin in verse 25. We are uh, in the middle of, right smack dab in the middle of Jesus' longest recorded sermon. And so he took about three chapters to preach. And then I've been taking weeks and weeks and weeks to try to preach what he did in one day. So uh, he's a much better preacher than me. um, But by his mercy, we will get his point. So let's read together in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. We'll pause there. I think there's probably enough for us to deal with just in that one verse. Um, The first thing I'd like to draw your attention to is as you're reading the scriptures, if you come to uh, uh, therefore, the first question that comes to your mind should be, what's the therefore Therefore, what are we actually talking about? So we're dropping right in the middle of a sermon. He said a bunch of other things. And he says, therefore, in light of everything else that I've already talked to you about, then you should do this. And so I'm not going to go back and re-preach what we talked about last week, but you may want to go back and review that last week he said, don't lay up for yourselves treasures in, on earth, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And if you want to recap that sermon, it's on the app and on our website and on the YouTube channel and all those places. Um, But he's saying, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. And I'm aware, uh, Jesus was speaking to a certain group of people, and I'm aware that the group of people that I am speaking to this morning understand the word anxiety is kind of a loaded term in our, in our culture today. And so I am not qualified to make any kind of uh, a diagnosis or a conversation about clinical anxiety. Um, that's something that you should probably take up to your doctor. But what I am tasked with this morning is for us to look at Jesus's words and to take them seriously. I'm not I'm not talking about clinical anxiety. That's something that we need to do, but I, I, or that something that exists. I'll acknowledge that it exists, but I can't necessarily deal with that, and per- certainly not with you know the number of people that we have in the room. Um, but uh, Jesus does teach on this, and my suspicion is there's sometimes uh, where we are really quick in our culture to just self-diagnose something, right? I have looked on the internet for symptoms of the thing that I'm experiencing and, and found out all kinds of terrible things that I have that I have self-diagnosed. And I'm, I'm saying if you have self-diagnosed yourself as anxious, then maybe consider, maybe consider Jesus' words first before uh, we go and, and, and get too deep into it. Let's give Jesus a hearing. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. And he asked this question, is not life more than food and the body more 
than clothing. He has the same assumptions about the nature of reality that we talked about last week, which is that there, uh, we can lay up treasures on earth or we can lay up treasures in heaven. And these things exist in a tension, but both are actually real, right? That spiritual things impact the things of the earth and they're both real. And so he's saying, is not life more than just food and clothing? Is not life more than just your material needs? He knows that there's something deeper and more meaningful to life than just having three square meals a day. Because I think we would all agree that even though um, in, uh, give me my, oh, there he comes. Even though uh, in prison they will give you three square meals a day and they'll give you shelter, your minimal needs are met. The quality of life you experience in that environment is not the same as, as being on the outs, Right? Right? Is not life more than food and clothing? Is not life more than just having your material needs met? Uh-huh. Okay, I, I thought this was a simple question. Okay. <clears throat> All right. So it is. So in that, in that case, Jesus' instructions are don't be anxious because life is more than just having your material needs. Um, what if Jesus is actually serious? What if, as he looks at it, he says, anxiety is a choice? If he says, do not be anxious, then it's something that we can choose to do. We can choose to worry, and we can choose to be anxious about where these material things are going to come from, or we can choose to not do that. If he's telling us to choose not to do that, then we should acknowledge that our default settings, the ways that we're born, are to be worried about things. Particularly if you're a parent, and there's that mystery of, like, they have their own, like, choices that they can make and you can't make every choice for them and they don't know all the implications of every choice that they're making and sometimes they're in with these people and it seems kind of like blah, blah, blah. it's not going to be that big of a deal but you know like you're getting con uh, getting concerned that maybe these people are going to lead them in the wrong way and like how can you tell them that without making them like go more into that relationship like how do I handle it? like our default is to worry and Jesus' instructions are hey don't I don't know that I like that. What am I, what am I going to think about if, if I'm not worried or anxious? Like, what's going to occupy my mind? Worry and anxiety may be a result of the choices that we've made, but oftentimes we make these choices and then we blame them on God. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm anxious or I'm worried because I haven't actually given myself enough time to sleep. And so I'm, I'm strung out and I've got all of these things and it feels like every single thing is an absolute emergency, like level 10. And really the point is that I probably should have just gone to bed early instead of starting that show that I knew was four hours long, but it was so good. And now I'm like tired because and people are looking at me and expecting me to act like a human. But like, why is God like putting all these frustrating people in my life? And he's like, I didn't put, like they were in your life whether you're going to be sleeping or not, and you could have just gone to bed on time. But we make these choices, and then we want to blame God for them. We do the same thing with our nutrition, and we say, like, I, I want to eat all of this stuff that, like, tastes really, really good, but doesn't actually have any value, and then my body's tired, and is trying to whatever, and I'm, like, on my sixth cup of caffeine, and then Carlos comes in, and he's playing these upbeat songs, and now I'm amped, and, like, maybe I should just chill and make some better nutritional choices, but it's not God's fault. Like, it's a choice that I made. Sometimes we make choices that put us in, in situations that make us more frustrated. And we've done a whole series on wisdom, and I'm not going to rehash all of that. <clears throat> but Jesus, again, here him out and says, do not worry, do not be anxious. He gets to 
the heart of the matter. If I'm going to choose not to be anxious and there are things outside of my control, that means I'm nose to nose with the reality that I am not God. You are not God. You have limitations. You have to sleep. You have to. It will kill you if you don't. But that's not a bad thing. God is our Father in heaven, but he's also our maker. And if we need sleep, if we have to sleep, then God meant for us to sleep. God designed us to need him. So trust God. There's an American idea that like, I can be a self-made person. I can pull myself up by my bootstraps and I can, I can just like hammer through and I, and I can just be dependent on myself and I don't need anybody. And so when we, when we think about like, what do you mean I go to bed early? What do you mean I eat the right things? Like, like ugh, I don't need all of that. I just need to power through. And we think of need as weakness and we think of weakness as an indication that we are failing. But I'd like to remind you that you are created, you are made, and God made us with limits, and to rebel against our limits is to, is to thumb our nose in the face of the one who made us and say, I actually know better than you. But he didn't just like, something happened and now we, and he, and he stuck with us. Like he designed us, and he designed us inherently to need him. Uh, there's a, a lie, and it's not a lie, it's a half-truth. There's a thing that people will say, that God won't give you more than you can handle. And I, I understand the heart of that. I know the scripture that they're taking out of context to say that, and I understand. But, but God, God will give you more than you can handle because he knows you need him. And if you could handle it by yourself, he knows you would. And he doesn't want you to do that. He knows what's best for you is to walk in step with him because God designed us to need him. And all Jesus is saying here is that you should trust God. Don't worry. What is your biggest anxiety recently? What's the thing that you're worried about? And what does that tell us about where our treasure is? Jesus is going to illustrate the point. He's got two illustrations that he's going to pull out of this. So let's continue reading in verse 26. He says, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? I'll pause there. He's got these two illustrations um, of two different pictures uh, one of food and one of clothing. He turns first to the birds and he says, hey, uh, look at the birds. The birds don't have like big storehouses. They're not out uh, working and trying to make sure that their 401k is, is shored up. Like they just are, go out and they eat and God gives them what they need and God takes care of them. They're, they're a creature, they're created and they go out and they trust that God's gonna give them what they need for the day. And so they go out and they get it. They're not storing or hoarding stuff up. They just go and they eat. 
And he, and he says, now, now you are not you of more value than they. God makes a distinction between the animal kingdom and humanity. He says humanity is a special project. Humanity is the one that I've put my name on. He's the, the, humanity is uh, the, the creatures that I've made in my image. They represent me to the rest of creation and they reflect me. And you are of more value than the birds. We ain't just mammals. So he says, look at the birds. They're made in the image of God. And God designed us on purpose to have needs. And we can trust him when we find ourselves in our weakness having needs. So look at the birds. And then he, he has uh, an illustration of clothing. He says, look at the lilies, at the flowers, at the, of the grass. Look at these things. They're gorgeous. They're beautiful. Have you ever like looked at a flower? They're really incredible. And you realize like, the whole point of the flower is to pollinate, uh, to attract pollinators so that, so that then things can produce seeds. But like flowers die. There's this thing in Florida that I don't think, uh, I worked in landscaping long enough to, to be real frustrated by um, because people are like, okay, I, want, I just want to, have, I want to be surrounded by beautiful flowers all year long. And I'm like, well, then what you're going to do is you're going to go to the Hobby Lobby and they got these walls of plastic flowers and you take that and you just jam it in the ground. It's going to be a lot cheaper for you and less of a headache for me. If you just want to be surrounded by beautiful flowers all year round, you got to do something that's not alive. But like, flowers come in their season to set seed. The flower actually isn't the point for the plant. The point for the plant is to set its seed and, and to be pollinated and things like that. The flower dies. Here today, gone tomorrow. Um, but it's beautiful while it's here, isn't it? Here's the thing. like God, God's infinitely creative, and yet he set beauty in grass. Now, I hate grass. If you know anything about me, grass is like the bane of my existence. The, the ultimate uh, exercise in futility is mowing a lawn. And yet God has set flowers in the grass. Not only does God provide nutrition, he also has blessed us with taste buds. He could just as easily give us like all of the nutrition that we need in mush. And yet he gave us taste buds. And we can have prime rib. And it's lovely. This is the good father that we serve. That he's infinitely creative and that he cares for us and he blesses us with good gifts. He's not just meeting our material needs, but he's clothing the grass with flowers and he's, and he's feeding us with food that's delicious. The quality of God's provision is marked by flavor and beauty. He says even the grass is not... Is, is, even Solomon in all his glory is not clothed like the grass. Solomon is the richest king recorded in the Bible. Like he's the wealthiest one. If, if, you, wanna, if you want uh, the, the, the most decadent anything, like it's Solomon had it. I mean, his, he raised a lot of taxes, and that's a different story. But um, he was the richest king that, that Israel had ever known. He says, even that guy didn't have clothes that looked like the flowers. Even, even the clothes and the fashion that we are inspired by often are taking their inspiration from God and nature. It's more than utility. God shows us his creativity and he invites us to rejoice in him. God designed us to need him. So trust God. 
But what is it that like draws our attention? What is it that like captivate? What do we get fixated on? We get fixated on our, our physical needs more than our spiritual needs. Like we're not close enough to lunchtime to like feel it yet, but like when we get hungry, we get hungry and it's time to eat, right? Those are the things that captivate us. But investments in spiritual health are secure and they're guaranteed, we learned last week. So let's buy into those investments. What small gifts, what small gifts? Maybe it's taste buds. What small gifts are we slow to be grateful for? And will we be grateful to the one who gave them to us? I think perhaps the most frustrating thing that I could imagine is if I were somebody who was more of an atheist and more naturalistic, and I, I looked at the world and I saw the beauty, and I, and I looked and gathered with my family, and I just felt this like innate sense of gratitude. You know, sometimes you just feel grateful. And I think probably the most frustrating thing would be to be operating in a world that does have beauty and does have love, and to have this sense of gratitude and to have nobody to express it to. What small gifts are we slow to be grateful for? And can we, can we turn our, uh, our attention and our gratitude towards the one who gave it. So Jesus has illustrated this point. Don't be anxious. Um, now he's going to give us some more, uh, some more specific instructions. Would you read with me in verse 31? Therefore, again, therefore, all the things we've said, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. If you're looking for like a tattoo idea this morning, like I think that's it. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Like I need that right here in front of my face, don't you? Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. He says, okay, so therefore don't be anxious. And how do you know that you're not anxious? He, he looks first at your speech. What are you saying? What do the conversations that you're involved in sound like? Like, are you verbalizing this worry? Like, is that what's on the tip of your tongue? I can't believe, I don't know what's going to happen next. What are we verbalizing? And this actually, I think, like this is a, a way bigger thread that I'm yanking on that we could untie the whole thing and be here forever. But this, I think, was the first temptation, is that can you actually trust God? Like, God, God, yeah, he set you in this paradise, and he gave you all of these other trees to eat, except for this one, and like, can you actually trust? I think that one has something special. I think God's holding out on you. Like, you can't actually trust him. He's, he, he's got something better than what he's giving you. But he made us to be like him, created in his image. And we decided, we were led to, tempted to, not just be like him, but want to be him. And thus we mutinied against our captain. God designed us to need him. He made us to need food. He made us to need sleep. And isn't that interesting? For all of our specialness, that he tied us to creation in a way that we're dependent upon it. I'm assuming that you're not eating other people. So then what are we eating? We're eating things that God provided in nature.
He says, don't you know that your father knows that you need these things? He's not surprised. He says, even the, this is what the Gentiles seek out. And, and there's an idea here uh, in the scripture. Uh, there's t- kind of two groups of people. There's the Jews or the Israelites or the Hebrews. Um, and they're God's chosen people. That's really what the, 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 uh, the Hebrew scriptures are about, the first part of the Bible, uh, what we sometimes will call the Old Testament. It tells the story of those people. And everybody who's not in that family, they call Gentiles. And so Gentiles is everybody else. That's, that's me. I'm a Gentile because I don't have a Jewish heritage. Um, and, and Gentiles, or the Hebrews, actually know God. They have a relationship with God. God's manifested himself to them. He, he's walked with them in a special way, which means that the Gentiles are, are kind of godless. They don't, they don't have that relationship with the big G, real, live God. His name's Yahweh. They don't, they don't know who that is. They're godless. But I think, I think more often than not, the people that we are going to run across, our neighbors are, are more God-ish than godless. I've actually had the conversation a couple of times this week where I've said, okay, so tell me about like your connection to Jesus. And so, oh, well, I believe in God. Well, cool. That's a great place to start. I don't, but like, tell me about how you're connected to Jesus. It's like, well, I haven't been to church in a long time. I'm not asking about your church. Like, what's your connection to Jesus? I I believe that there's a God and that that things are created. I'm like, yeah, excellent. It's a good place to start. What are you doing with Jesus? How are you connected to Jesus? And we can't answer that question. We are God-ish. We've got some form of spirituality. We believe that there's something rather than nothing, and yet we don't know what it is. And that's more likely than not who your neighbors are. They more likely believe that there's some kind of force or something, but they don't know that they can trust it, and they're not really sure that it's good because there's a whole lot of bad in the world. And the things that they're seeking for are those material needs. They're seeking, they're hunting, they're thirsty for it. But what will we seek? Uh, Jesus has already told us that we cannot serve two masters. We cannot, we cannot seek to please God and also seek to make sure that all of our coffers are filled. We cannot serve two. We are, we are a mirror that can only reflect one thing at a time. Our heart, we only have one heart. We can only give it either to God or we can give it to the world. What will we seek? What treasure will we seek? Seek first the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is is creation properly governed by his design. It's the way things were meant to be. But oftentimes we find ourselves like trying to manipulate God. Like, okay, God, I'll I'll do this. I'll I'll be in church every Sunday for the next, you know, 42 Sundays. If you will make sure that I have this amount or if you will meet this need, then I'll do that. And we we try to manipulate or we try to work a deal. That's not what God's saying here. He says, I'm just asking you to trust me. I know what you need. God designed us to need him. So trust him. We prayed together, give us this day our daily bread. Not not talking about carbohydrates, although those are wonderful too. What we need for the day. Not Tomorrow will worry about itself. Sufficient for the day is, is, is its own trouble. But Lord, I need, you know, my kids. Would you give me the patience I need for the day? Would you give me the wisdom I need to have this conversation? Would you give me the grace to not bite this person's head off? Would you give me the faith that I am not 
complaining in every conversation that I'm having today, but that I am trusting you every step of the way? Would you give us this day our daily bread? Just for today. Tomorrow, if I make it there, then we'll deal with that. But today, Lord, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap, and yet their Father feeds them. Give us this day our daily bread. As we seek his kingdom and his will to be done on earth, where we are, as it is in heaven. We've got a, a, a special part. Like we are the part of creation that reflects God in a special way. We're made in his image. We're the ones, we're the only ones that like reflect him specifically. You know, I love that we're singing, put you first because I know your worth. I know your worth, and so now I'm, I'm ordering the rest of my life around you and asking you and making decisions through a filter that you have set in front of me. I, I worship you because I know your worth. So how do we make decisions through a Jesus filter? I, I said these briefly last week, and I'll just mention them again. To reset our basic habits. Like, we have these basic habits and how we operate the world, and, and, and it's what do we do in our default settings? What am I reaching for when I wake up in the morning? What are the thoughts that are first coming to mind? How can I reset these and, 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 and fill them with Jesus so that I intersect with him? Oftentimes, uh, we, don't, we don't grow apart from friends because we mean to, to grow apart from friends. We just, uh, we just uh, don't intersect with them the way that we used to when our lives change and we just don't end up in the same places. And so all I'm saying is sometimes we can make choices to actually intersect with Jesus. Like I'm not saying that, that, that neighborhood church or that church in general is the only place you can meet Jesus, but I'm hoping that if you come to church that you'll intersect with him. I had a friend who came to church uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I was surprised when he showed up. Um, he has a different congregation that he's a part of. And I said, hey, man, I'm not preaching this morning, so if you came to hear me, like, I, you're, you, it was a bad, a bad morning. He looked at me and said, I'm not here for you. I'm here for Jesus. I said, well, I'm pretty sure he's here too. Um, like, if you come to this space, it's not that, like, this is where all of the spiritual nourishment comes from. I don't have that ability to do for you. But if you come here, you might intersect with him. And he is the one who's supplying your daily bread. Listen to him. Read the word. Spend time in this study or, or find another uh, Bible study or something like that. And connect with other people that have that same priority. And connect with other people who are on purpose connecting with Jesus. Because have you ever noticed like when you meet a friend and you meet that friend and that friend and that friend and that friend. And suddenly you realize that all these people are connected. And suddenly you're more connected to all of those people. If you, if you make friends with people who are friends with Jesus, you'll be closer to Jesus too. We were created for community, and that's part of the plan. But God designed us to need him, so trust God. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let's pray together. Lord, our eyes are so small. And we're so quickly distracted. 
and we're really quick to take upon ourselves the burden of being God, of trying to manage and micromanage all the details of a life. This morning, we thank you for the reminder that you are on your throne, that you are God in heaven, and that we are your kids. Not accidentally, but purposely designed to need you. Father, we seek your forgiveness in the places where we have not trusted you, and we ask that you would increase our faith, that you'd increase our trust in you. Lord, help us to be wise and to walk in wisdom. But Lord, help us not to think that we are the masters of our own destiny and that it all rises and falls on us. We want to seek you first. We want to go where you would have us go. We want to be the people that you would have us to be. And we know, we know that we can't be who you want us to be apart from you. Spirit, would you lead us and guide us? Would you convict? Would you comfort? Would you give us eyes to see the small gifts that you are blessing us with? It's in your name we pray. Amen.